Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. make a couple of announcements. One is there's 138 in here, which is more than we had on Mother's Day. So for all the fathers in the building, can we give it up for the fathers? Yeah! That never happens. We don't have more on Father's Day than we do Mother's Day, so that is awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming out. It is Father's Day, and it is a special day in the lives of every uh, man that's in the building today. Now, also, we're going to say thank you to all those who came out on Mingle on Main and uh, last Thursday and just had a great time. Uh, I had a wonderful time um, doing some barbecue with Jesse Ramsey, and so, uh, and Jesse Ramsey beat me, so I have to say that, all right? Jesse's back there waiting for me to make some kind of comment, and so I have to be straightforward and say, Jesse beat me in ribs. He beat me all the way around. He beat me in every category, ribs, brisket, and chicken. And uh, I'm so thankful. But I gotta, I have to shoot something at him. Here's the deal. So we were there, and we were just talking. It was at the beginning of the day, and he looks at me. He goes, you know what? Someone could actually walk away with $1,500 today, Jerry. I said, $1,500. And he said, yeah, I mean, listen, they could, someone can win so much, but $1,500. And I said, how did you figure out $1,500? He said, well, if you win first place in the ribs, it's $300. If you win first in chicken, it's $300. And if you win first in brisket, that's $300. That's $900. And overall, you can win $500. And I said, and that's $14. He goes, yeah, it is. It is $14. <laughs> so we can walk away with $1,400. What he did not realize, he was just prophesying, wasn't you, Jesse? Because at the end of the day, we won $1,500. And the reason being is because my measly $100 for third place. Woo-woo! Yeah! <laughs> we had a great time. $1,500 went to send our students to camp, and that's a great thing. Can you give God glory today? Um, we are so thankful. It is Father's Day, and there's so much to be thankful today. And I'm looking across the room, and there's a lot of men today, and I said this to, this morning, there's a lot of men that you play the role as a father to many people that you, you did not um, have anything to do with. Um, your, your wife did not birth that child, and you play a role as a father to them. You may have coached them in Little League. They may have been in your youth ministry. They may have just been in your uh, ag program. They may be in your school. They may be in your class. They may be at your work, but they've looked at you as a father figure. And for that, you're a father. And so I say thank you. Thank you so much, fathers, for standing up. Thank you for manning up. Thank you for taking on the responsibility of leading another generation of good, 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 good men. And so thank you so much this morning. Today I want to talk on a subject called Man Up. Every man, uh, 16 and up, will receive a T-shirt today as you walk out. Um, as you come out, um, you'll have a shirt that simply looks just like mine. And I want you to challenge you because I know everyone that's been in church for any time is Father's Day. We hammer on the men. On, on Mother's Day, we, we glorify and praise the women. And today, it's, it's the same to some degree. More than anything, this is a declaration that we as men are going to make. We're going to say we're going to man up because we're going to take on the responsibility of leading the next generation of men. We're just going to man up. 
It's a responsibility thing. And so today, I'm going to speak on this topic, man up, be there. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, which is on our t-shirts today. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And this verse really, as you're looking at Paul writing this to the church, he's not writing it just to men. He's writing to all of us. And he says this. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Verse 14 follows, and we don't have it up on the board. It just simply says this. It says, let all your activity be done in love. And so we find that Paul is actually writing to the church. He's not just talking to men. He's not saying, hey, men, I want you to be like men. I want you to act like men. What he was using, he was using this phrase, act like men, referring to some traits that we as men have. The phrase was used to encourage one to be courageous, which simply means having or showing or done with courage, the quality of being ready and willing to face negative situations, being brave, having courage. Or it means to be virtuous. It means to have a high standard in your morals, a high moral standard. And so when Paul was writing this to the church, he was saying, I want you to act like men. I want you to be courageous. I want you to have courage. And I want you to set your moral standard high. And he was telling this to the church. And when I hear the phrase, act like men, my mind automatically goes to the image of my father. I begin to think of my dad. I mean, it means to perhaps take care of responsibilities. My, my dad could not read or write. Uh, dad would say, I went through school, went to the front, to the back. That's my dad. He would say that all the time. But man, my dad was the hardest working dude you ever met. He was a great guy. And then when I think of my father, I think about all these traits and characteristics that perhaps would fall in that category, act like, act like a man. Because all of a sudden I realized that when I think about my father, when he would discipline me, I realized what he was doing was actually shaping who I would become. He wasn't mad at me. He was disciplining me. He was correcting me because he wanted to shape who I would become. I remember thinking about the phrase, "be act like a man. It was, I think about my father being a provider, being a protector, being a home builder, being the, ta the trash taker outer. All right, that's my dad, the, the supporter, the ladder holder. I think about the ladder holder thought. My dad was always the one that would hold my ladder. And so what does that mean? Not literally the ladder that I would climb up. I mean, if I needed him, he would. But I'm talking about my ladder for when it comes to my dreams. My dad was the one that believed in me. My dad was the one that would hold my ladder so I could climb as high as I could to reach all the dreams that perhaps I had. He was a ladder holder. Perhaps when I think about act like a man, I think about the phrase be there. My dad was there. Limited that he was, my dad was there. My dad came to very few football games where he came into the stadium because my dad didn't have the finances to come into the stadium. So he would pull up to the old football field on the east west side and park in the, foot, in the end zone so he could watch me. And I knew that he was there. He was always there. My dad, he was there. And there's moments in all of our lives, there's moments in our life that we will never forget Especially moments that we've had with our family, right? Our moms, our dad, our children will never forget those moments. And there's moments that, are, that we have with our parents that shape us. They really have a lasting impact upon our life. 
memories that you'll never forget, right? Growing up, maybe it was a whooping, maybe it was something that your dad did or your mom did, and it was the memories that just stuck with you. And since we're talking about dads today, I'll tell you some stories about my dad. And uh, funny stories, it's okay to laugh at my dad, all right? Dad loved, well, he didn't really love being laughed at at all, but he was the center of a lot of laughs, I can be honest with that. So I had the opportunity and privilege uh, to work at a a barbecue restaurant called The Rib Barn. It was um, where I learned how to cook, Jesse, but not good enough for you, all right? But we had, we, we were right across the, from TNT Flowers, which is now the dry cleaners there. As you turn the curve, I guess it would be where the dental place is. And um, we were there, and the, the, the shop or the store had this back garage that all the time, every, I mean, any given Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there could have been a skunk in the back of this garage any given time. And to get to the hot water tank, you would open this door, and you would walk into the garage area, and the hot water tank would be on the right. Well, one Saturday morning, Cheryl Ashcraft came in, and she's like, hey, look at this stuffed skunk that I have. This little little bitty animal, stuffed animal. And it really did look like a skunk. I mean, it looked real. And I said, she said, let's play a trick on Trey Ashcraft. Let's play a trick on him. I said, let's do it. So we took the skunk, because I would love to, anytime I can get Trey in trouble, I loved it. So I put the skunk behind the hot water tank. We called Trey. Trey had this new little crossbow, and he's like, I'll be right down there. So he comes running to the rib arm with this, with this crossbow. I moved the skunk right behind the hot water tank. I was like, Trey, Trey, here's the flashlight. Look, there he is. And the, flat, the light just glimmered off the eyes of that plastic skunk, that stuffed skunk. And Trey goes, yes, there he is. He's real, isn't he? I said, dude, he's big. Trey takes us, takes, he steadies his hands, he looks at the skunk, he pulls the trigger of the crossbow, hits the skunk, and by the time he pulls the trigger, he runs out, shuts the door, locks me in the room with the skunk. (laughs) And then about that moment, even though that's pretty funny, about that moment, my dad shows up. It's a Saturday, my dad always came on Saturday to visit with me, and my dad showed up. And I looked at Trey and I said, oh, this is a great opportunity, Trey. So I put the skunk back in the same spot. I looked at my dad... And I said, Dad, we have a problem. He says, what? I said, it's about 11 o'clock, and that's when we open, and there's a skunk in the hot water tank. we got to get the skunk out. Do you, what do you suggest that we do? Dad said, where is it? I said, right back here, Dad. We open the door. He looks at it, and sure enough, there's this skunk sitting right there. And Dad says, just wait a minute. I got this. He, I'm going, Dad, what are you going to do? He said, just wait there. I got this. He walks over. We had these tablecloths over the table. He pulls the tablecloth off the table, walks into the room, throws the tablecloth over the skunk, picks up the skunk, and starts walking out the building with this skunk underneath the tablecloth. And about that time, we have customers now. And we're trying to tell our customers, it's okay, it's okay. Dad walks out. Throw, I'm lit, Trey is here to tell you this is the truth. My dad throws this supposedly skunk on the floor outside the door and starts stomping the skunk with his cowboy boots. And he's giving that, that skunk a you-know-what. And he's beating that skunk. And I am the whole time going, it had escalated to a point I didn't think would get there. And I'm like, oh, no, Dad, no, 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 Dad, no, Dad. Because I know I'm about to be in trouble because this is not a joke that he's going to think is funny. And I'm pulling on his shirt and going, Dad. And he's going, stop it. I got this. I got this. I got this. And I'm like, Dad, it's not a skunk. And he said, what do you mean? He pulls back that tablecloth and that poor little stuffed skunk was beaten to death. And he didn't talk to me for days. That's the honest truth. 
My dad, oh, he was so mad at me, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't realize it would escalate to that point. But, but that dad was just funny. I remember when I was, um, I was 17 years old, I was dating my lovely soon-to-be wife and, um, at the time, and uh, it was snowing. I wanted to come to town, and dad did not want me to come to town. And, and we always had this ongoing joke that when I turned 18, dad was going to show me who was the man, Right. Uh, he was going to step out in the, in the front yard, and we were going to fist fight. I don't know why that was something that we talked about, but my dad was like, hey, when you get 18, we're going outside, and I'm going to show you who's the man. And I was 17 years old, and I was tired of this stuff, and I'm like, dad, I ain't waiting. I want it now. And dad, dad gave me what I wanted. That, and I'll never forget, he hit me so hard. I'm laying on the ground, and when I came to, dad's over with the two-by-four going, do you want some more? Do you want some more? I'm like, no, dad. No, no, no. It shaped, that moment shaped me. I've never done that again. I promise you that. Um, no matter how little you are, I take you serious. Or I take you serious. Um, on a serious note, a moment that really shaped me, and it gave me an understanding of, of loving people and telling people that you love them was the, my senior year in high school. And it was a moment that my dad, my dad was a great guy. Um, he didn't tell us that he loved us very much. He just didn't know how to express that. He expressed love by buying us things, putting a roof over our, our heads, uh, putting food on the table. But saying that he loved us was not something that he could communicate. That just wasn't dad. He couldn't hug us. I don't know why that was, but dad just in that moment couldn't, couldn't embrace us with that hug to tell us to love him. And I remember my senior year in high school, we were, we were it was two a days, and, and I remember coming home after the first practice and as I got home, my dad had been waiting on the porch, and dad comes running off the porch. I just put the truck in, dry, in park, and dad comes running off the porch, and as I got out of the truck, my dad gives me the biggest hug, and I remember him looking at me, and he says, son, I love you. I love you. And he said, you never know how much you love something until it's gone. And it was that moment that even, I was, I was 17, I was, no, I'm sorry, I was 19 years old, and you're like, a senior in 19? Yes, don't judge me, all right, don't judge me. I was 19 years old, and I remember at that moment, Dad giving me a hug and saying, you never know how much you love something until it's gone. It, it broke me. It shaped me in that moment, knowing that I should take every relationship that I have for serious and make sure that people know that I love them. Because you never know how much you love something until it's, until it's gone. And it's moments like that for us as, as sons and us as daughters, and as we look at Father's Day and just think, man, it's amazing about these skunks. And, and I have a picture today that I want to show you. I didn't get to do this on Mother's Day. And this is my family. Um, yeah, this is my mom. And, and my, da my dad is a good-looking dude. I'm I was like, what happened to me? Look at that. I'm like, dude, he was slick. And my mom, um, I don't know how old I was at this age, um, but I don't know who gave us haircuts, but those are horrible haircuts. I'm like, my brother's hair looks horrible. My hair looks jacked up. I don't know what's going on. Um, but that's my family, and we're so happy um, to say Happy Father's Day in memory of them. Um, they've, they've shaped me and molded me into the man that I am today. So uh, if your mom and dad is still alive, make sure you give them a call. Make sure you give them a hug. Tell them um, that you love them, and thanks, tell them thank you for being there. Let's go to Luke today. It is 1128. We're going to move very quickly into this message today. Because even those moments that I told you with my dad, they shaped me. Those moments told you that my dad was there. And dad did everything he could to be there in my life. In the highs and the lows and in-betweens. Times to teach me, time to embrace me, times to challenge me, time to encourage me. All those times I believe my dad was there. He attempted to be there 
in my life. My dad had to work so hard because he couldn't read and write. He was at a disadvantage in life, and he worked so, so hard. And maybe that's where some of my work ethic comes from. Um, he worked so hard to get, us a, to get ahead in life, and, um, and I'm very appreciative. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, tells a story of a father who had two sons. And I want to tell the story in a different perspective. If you haven't been with us, I, our very first series back in uh, the American Legion, we did a series called Journey Home, Our Journey Home. And um, we talked about the, the son's perspective, we talked about the father's perspective, and we talked about the brother's perspective. If you've never heard those two, three messages, they were, in my opinion, very good messages that you need to go back and listen to. And so not to piggyback off of the father's perspective but we took those, that sto- this story and we broke it down into three perspectives. And um, we'll try not to rehash any of those. But we're going to talk about this father being there in the life of his son. Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 24 says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in in reckless living. And we had spent everything. A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So when he so when he went and hired himself out to a one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. I believe that the son didn't expect to be like this. He didn't mean to end up like this. Verse 16 says, And he was longing to be fed from the pods of the pigs that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they begin to celebrate. I, real quickly, quickly before I go over three points, I I want you to look at this story. What a beautiful story of a father's love and a father being there. I think there was two critical aspects of the story that sometimes we, we overlook or perhaps we don't dig a whole lot into. One was the moment that his son came to his father and asked for everything. I want you to think about that as a father. Think about your son coming to you and saying, I have learned all that I need to learn, and I am ready to embrace the world, and I'm ready to go. I am not talking to you. (laughs) That is funny. Going to put her in the corner. She's going to stay right there. No one puts baby in the corner. I just did. That is hilarious. Uh, where was I at? In the story, the, the son comes to the father and, and asks for everything that was going to be his. His father obviously hadn't passed away. and just wanted everything that was going to be his. So he can go because he learned enough and he was going to embrace the world and do what he was wanting to do. In that moment as a father, he had to be there. 
Now I want you to think about it today as all you fathers sitting in these chairs and it is a beautiful Sunday and, and we are congratulating, celebrating you. But man, that would have to be a very difficult moment to let my son go and let him do whatever he thought was going to be needed to be done with the money or the property that I was going to be giving. I would almost imagine that there was a conversation that kind of went like this. Son, I don't know if that's a good idea. Son, I, I mean, I would like for you to give me a little idea of what you're going to do. Dad, I'm just, it's time for me to go. Give me everything. I'm a big man. I can make my own decision. It's my life. Don't worry about it. And in that moment, as a father, he had to let his son go. He had to be there for his son in the sense of letting him go. And fathers, I'm telling you, I'm having a hard time letting my kids go. But when I know that my kid's about to make the biggest decision and the biggest mistake of his life, it's those moments that we have to let them make their decisions. And isn't that hard? And in this story, the father knew that that wasn't a good idea. The father knew. The father knew. But he had to let his son make his decisions. And in that moment, what the father did was just be there. He was there. I don't know what my phone is doing. He had to be there. The second aspect was when his son came back home. I love this thought as the father had been, in my opinion, been waiting for the day for his son. That he knew his son was going to come home. Not so that he could say, I told you so, but just because his son was going to come back home. It was in that moment that when his son came back home and he saw his father, the father saw him from afar off and the father came running to his son. It was in that moment that the son said, my dad is still there. The son thought, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father said, you're still my son. You will always be my son no matter what decisions you have made and how you've lived your life. You are my son. It's in that moment where we find that the father was still there when he was needed the most when he came back home. And so fathers, let me share three things with you about being there. Because I want you to man up. I want us all to man up. And I want us to take on the responsibility of being there for our children. In the difficult times, in the easy times, in the times in between those moments, being there for our family. Could you get Siri and tell her to... <laughs> it reminds me, Jesse, of uh, we were barbecuing. and bar He has this pellet smoker. We called her Alexa. And all he had to say, Alexa, put more pellets on the fire where I had to actually go and do the fire. Uh, here's point number one. Dads, I want you to really listen to me real quickly. We're going to fly through these points. Point number one is this, and that is you don't always get a second chance. Be there. For those who are dads, who are fixing to be dads, those who, who are wanting to be dads, or de who, those who are married, and maybe you don't have children at the time, but you have a family, you have to be there. And you don't always get a second chance. I remember this time I was a youth pastor and, and uh, we were doing a big fundraiser. It was actually called The Rib Barn is Back because we were trying to go to Anaheim, California. And we knew that if people knew that uh, I was cooking barbecue, that they would come out and buy barbecue um, if it was tagged with The Rib Barn. And so we tagged it. People came out and it was busy, busy, busy. And Jay Tatum's dance recital was on that Saturday. And the only thing my wife asked was, don't miss it. Don't miss it. And man, we were busy, and I tried so hard, and obviously, I missed it. I come running, and I was panicking. I was flying down the road over to the, we were just there on the corner where Subway is, the little where Boomerang is, and we're, I'm flying to the alumni building, 
And uh, I get there, I'm running. I get out of my car, I'm running because I know I'm late. I'm way late. And I get into the building and it was over. They just finished. Moms and dads are giving the flowers to their kids. My mom, my wife, my mom and dad was there. My mother-in-law and father-in-law was there. And here comes Tatum and I missed her dance recital. And I have tears in my eyes because I knew I wasn't going to get another one. I wasn't ever going to make that dance recital ever again. My wife looked at me. She didn't have to say anything to me. Oh, she wanted to say a lot to me, I promise you. But she didn't say a word because I already had disciplined myself. I was so mad at myself because I didn't get a second chance. Fathers, listen to me. You don't always get a second chance. You don't always get to make it up. And sometimes as a father, once you... Tatum was our practice guinea pig, all right? We messed up on her at times. She turned out really, really well, but we messed up. Um, and sometimes what we do as fathers, if we were not there for our second child, we want, our first child, we try to make it up with our second child. We try to make it with our third and our fourth. And what we try to do is try to play that makeup game. I'm going to tell you to man up, and I'm going to ask you today to take the challenge and say, you know what, I'm just going to be there for all my family. I'm going to be there because I don't always get second chances and sometimes when you're there you're not there have you ever been there fathers I know how it is sometimes when we're there we're not there I mean, we're there physically but we're not there mentally because we're thinking about all the other things that we need to do but you don't always get a second chance you don't always get those moments you have to absolutely be there the most important possession that you have is your family it's your children it's not your money, it's not your job, it's not the overtime, it's not the property, it's not anything that you have in life, it's just your family. That's the most important thing. And I've taken a long time for me to learn that aspect, that, that lesson. I've had a hard time trying to struggle because I have that, my father's instinct of just working hard. I'm a hard worker and I could work all the time. I'm okay with it. And then I miss these moments and I don't get second chances. And so if I, could, if I could encourage you to man up, take on the responsibility of being there for your children because you don't always get a second chance. I can't tell you how many ball games, as I was a youth pastor, as, I, as a youth pastor, I can't tell you how many ball games, how many choir concerts, how many band concerts, et cetera, et cetera, that my wife and I attended. And we had opportunities to be at for our students who were in our youth ministry that their dad or the mom couldn't be there. Students that would beg me to come to the game because their dad wasn't going to ever show up. And they knew that they wanted a father figure to be there. Because, listen, it's important. If you're not there, someone will be there. And so take that opportunity because you don't get second chances. Here's point number two today. Skimming through. Is the fact that our family and our children will never forget those moments. I told you some funny stories about my father, but I could tell you some real serious ones. And I could tell you some real good ones that have shaped and molded me and my brother. But I will tell you today that your children, your family will never forget the moments that you stop everything to be with them. That you're there. You're absolutely there. Ball games, be it fishing trips, be whatever it is, that you actually spend the day with them and you're there. You're there. Mind, body, and spirit, you're there. They will never forget them. They won't forget them, either the good times or the bad times, right? The moments that you didn't show up, they'll never forget that. The moments that you did show up, they won't forget those either. Dance recitals, the ball games, all those things that they want you to be a part of, they will never forget you being there. Oh, sometimes you feel like they take you for granted, right? You're carrying the ball bag, you're carrying the helmet, you're doing all these things, a cheer uniform, and it's like they don't care if I'm here or not. No, they do care. And they'll never forget you being there in their life. 
Because you know what they'll say when they grow up? My dad was always there. They may not express that to you now, but they will say that the reason why I am who I am today is because my dad, my mom, they were vital in shaping and molding me. They disciplined me. They shaped me to who I am today. I always, I still today, my son's 16, my daughter is, oldest daughter's 22, my youngest daughter is 19. I still take the opportunities to take teaching moments for my kids. I'm there. Just like the father whose son came to him and said, Dad, I want everything and I'm going. I believe that was a teaching moment for the father to say, Son, be careful out there. It's not what you think. Everything out there is not what you think it is. Be careful, son. It's always teaching moments. And I always love the opportunity, even at 22 and 19, to sit down with my daughters and have teaching moments with them that they will never forget. My kids will tell you, and I think my daughters will, the moments that I talk to them about, you know, the birds and the bees and, and, and life in itself. It embarrassed them completely. They don't want anything to do with it. My son thinks he knows everything about world today because I told him about the birds and the bees. Hard moment to talk about a Talk to him about things like that. But teaching moments to actually teach your kids about life. They'll never forget those moments that you did. Even the hard moments to discipline your child. When you know that your child is doing wrong and you discipline them, they'll never forget those moments either. Here's the last point. If you're not, someone else will be. If you're not there, someone else will be. It'll be a high school coach. It'll be a little league coach. It'll be a youth pastor. Some other man will step up and do what you're supposed to do. Someone will man up. My question is, will it be you? Don't let someone else take your shoes. Don't let anybody else take your place. Man up. Man, I got to tell you today, you are the most important aspect of your family. That's not taken away from the women by any means. But when the man mans up and takes on the responsibility of being there in their life, not just providing a, 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 uh, a livelihood for the family, not, not just providing a roof, not just building a home, but actually being there in the life of your children and your family. You impact, you impact everything. You impact their spiritual life more than you'll ever know. Just being there, taking to the church, manning up on the responsibility. I had a high school coach um, who was like a father to me. My dad was a good man, and I told a lot of good stories about my dad. Um, but before I was 19 years old, my dad um, and our relationship was a little difficult. Again, he didn't show his love. He, um, dad was an older gentleman. When he had my brother and I, he was uh, in his 40s. And so in late 30s, I think it was when he had my brother and I, so he would work hard and come home and sit in his chair and didn't want anything to do with us. He was an older gentleman, an older father. And I remember wanting so bad to, to have a father that would go out and do things and, and run or whatever that I searched for another father figure. In my high school year, Coach Huff was my father figure. He was another dad to me. And um, he played a very important role in shaping me and other aspects of my life that my father couldn't fulfill because I was looking for someone else. And if you're not there, I promise you someone else will be. And don't let anybody take your role. Dad, you're the mo I'm telling you, you're the most important aspect of your family. And if you don't play that role, 
someone else will assume it. And the father story that we just talked about, one of the greatest stories of love, the father was there when his son needed him the most. When he made his mistake, he knew that he made his mistake. He comes back home with the mindset that he wasn't good enough to be his father's son. But the father took him in and said, you have always been my son. The story goes on to say this. He said that my son was dead, but now he is alive. That's how proud he was as a father. He didn't ask him, son, what did you spend your money on? He didn't tell him, I told you so. I knew you would be coming crawling back. No, he was there for his family when they needed him the most. So dads, maybe your sons have gone off. Maybe your children, they have made their own decisions and they haven't been the best but they're always going to be your children. And I pray that you will man up, that when they come back and they ask for mercy and they ask for grace and they ask for forgiveness, that you'll give it to them. And that you'll never say the words, you're never my kid. That they're always your kid. Praise and worship, would you come today? Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages, or find our service time. You can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumseh.com, for more information. And thank you again. And until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.